Hi everybody, welcome to the first episode of Stargate Podcast. Stargate SG Fun. Wait, is that... No, that's not the name of it. That's, I, you didn't quite nail it there. Uh, no, no, it was no, close. It was a good try. Again. Let me try again. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the uh, first episode of our Stargate podcast, Podcast SG Fun. Uh, this is a podcast for just two friends who have been lifelong fans of sci-fi, and we're just uh, just here to try to give you know Stargate the the due that it deserves. Um, we're just going to talk about it. We're going to have some fun, and we're just going to make a bunch of jokes. So. Yeah, and uh, uh, my favorite part about that intro, Chris, was the fact that you nailed it first time. <laughs> Knocked it right out of the park first time. Uh, we definitely have not completely restarted the episode because uh, you completely foobarred the intro uh, just from jump. So, uh, hey, A plus man, real proud of you on that one. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, we're both uh, big Stargate fans, and uh, uh, you know, in a cursory search of the internet, found that. Uh, the Stargate podcast community is vastly underserved, so uh, we figured we'd you know change that uh, with uh, this podcast, podcast SG Fun, uh, where uh, we're going to be going through and watching along with uh, every episode of Stargate SG One and uh, doing a podcast for each episode. So uh, I know I'm pretty excited about it. I'm pumped, man. Uh, you know, already watched that first episode, and uh, really excited to get into this. I'm pretty excited myself. You can't really tell with my ever calm demeanor uh yeah so let's uh let's jump right into it first episode well technically I mean, is it the first episode because it's like a two po- anyways children of the gods yeah technically i guess a two-parter but the uh, the way they have it edited now on uh, amazon prime we're we're actually viewing this i think it's the only streaming service showing it right now um they have it just in one episode uh, definitely re-edited <laughs> to make oh. it slightly more uh, uh, family-friendly, uh, oh, if goodness, I recall. Yes. Yeah, I uh, I made a, my my wife, my new wife, actually, well, my first one, uh, newly wifed wife, um, made her parents watch it, actually, this weekend. And uh, very, very wholesome folk, uh, very devoted to a particular religion um, in a... At first, I was like, oh, no, we can't watch this. And then I remember that Amazon uh, cut a lot of things out of this episode, which would uh, make it inappropriate for viewers of a particular um, age and disposition. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when, uh, what network did it originally air on? I, I keep forgetting. I know Sci-Fi had it up you know, toward the end, but it was like it was one of those premium it, cable networks, right? It was Showtime. In fact, I remember... Where and when it happened, I was uh, living at my parents' house because it was in 1997. Um, I was young. Well, I'm, I say 1997. As I open my mouth, I'm pretty sure it was 1997. Uh, it might have been 1995. I think, I, wanna, I think the first season was no, 98. No, 1997, July 27th. Oh, I was snap. Right. There we go. The first time. I should trust my instincts. Um, I was watching it in my room. I had a television uh, my father had one of those cable scramblers so I could watch the movie channels without us paying for it. And then I saw the thing that we will definitely talk about later, um, 
which I did not expect, especially when I was uh, in 1997. I was in seventh grade. I was probably 13, 12, 12, 13 years old. So yes, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. So I guess we can just jump right in. So Stargate SG-1 is a television show, um, which is kind of a direct, literally a direct sequel to the movie Stargate. Um, fantastic movie. I'd recommend watching it. And David we're not going to talk about the, Kurt Russell. Yes. yes. Good stuff. French, French Stewart. Don't French forget him. Stewart. I forgot he was in that. <laughs> and, uh, and a cameo by a very, one of my favorite actors who, whose name is a tremendous joy to say. Dijman Hansu was in this movie. Um, we're not going to talk about the movie because we're only going to talk about the show. So, um, literally a direct sequel. So with um in terms of the timeline, a year has passed since the since the end of Stargate the movie. And uh, we actually start with what appears to be a fairly ubiquitous moment, um a weekly poker game which is, you know, Kel, I've been at a, a few military installations. I was never served in the military, but I am the son of uh, two military veterans. I can tell you that Without a doubt, this is a 100% accurate scene. Is it? I was I was really yes. wondering uh, because, uh, so first of all, we open to a poker scene. So my immediate thoughts uh, are to, uh, you know, old episodes of Star Trek, The Next Generation. So many uh, cold opens in the uh, the poker scene. So it was kind of uh, funny to see that in, in this. Because, again, it's been so long since I've watched this show. I mean, I've forgotten a ton about it. But uh, yeah, we see the the poker game. And my favorite part is the dude with his leg just kind of awkwardly propped up on the table. Like, I mean, dude was chilling hard. Oh, yeah. So I, I know for a fact that this is a 100% accurate scene, which is a bunch of dudes who um, are getting paid, probably not what their uh, market worth is, uh, and a woman sitting around not doing a damn thing. <laughs> Just a lot Playing of hurry poker. up and wait. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like I can tell you for a fact. So, um, a very ominous shot um, of the Stargate itself uh, draped in what appears to be a fantastic sheet. Um, and the, the woman whose name I don't think ever gets mentioned in the condensed version of the episode, but I remember specifically the, them talking about her in the original one. Um, I actually have the first, I want to say I have all the seasons on my original Xbox hard drive. Um, yeah, I think I have all 10 seasons stuffed away on a hard drive somewhere. I need to try to find them because I would be interested in going back and, you know, trying to see how many differences we can spot in the recut. Uh, so she glances over constantly towards the Stargate and, and keeps saying, like, is this thing on? Like, don't you guys hear that? And uh, her compatriots are just like, hey, look, if you don't, if you can't play cards with us, just, you know, fold or whatever, uh, which is obvious a sign that something will happen. You know, I've, as a veteran of watching hundreds of thousands of hours of television and movies, the second someone says there's nothing to worry about. That's when there's something to worry about. Right. Exactly. So, uh, it's the wind, uh, picks up a little bit, which is strange because they're inside a building. Uh, wind shouldn't be able to do that. And then the gate starts to move, and you hear that oh-so-familiar sweet sound of the chevrons locking and the uh, the gate's inner ring starting to spin. 
Well, I was just going to say, my, and my favorite part about this is, yeah, so the, the chevrons, uh, you know, lock, the, the gate opens, you get the, the whoosh. Um, and oh, I yes. love, I love how everyone's first reaction is to run over to the walls and just start grabbing the guns that have just been haphazardly placed underneath <laughs> a bunch of tarps. Uh, like, what are you going to shoot at? Yeah. Uh, who knows? I mean, they, and as far as I'm aware, none of these gentlemen are veterans of the previous Stargate mission. Like they don't even know what the hell that thing is for. I mean, they might, but we get no indication. So. I mean, they're just hanging out in the empty room to play poker. Exactly. If, as far as they're concerned, this is a storage facility. But here's my thing, though, is even <laughs> I know, you know, we got military, you know, uh, secret installation. Everything's under lock and key. You know, this is a heavy guarded facility. Uh, but again, their first reaction was not to just run out of the room. <laughs> they're, they're hanging out. They need to see, OK, this ancient piece of technology is just lit up for the first time in over a year. We don't even know what it does, but we're going to hang out and see what happens. Yeah, they're going to definitely going to investigate, get Shaggy and the crew. And we're going to find out. They're going to unmask this thing. So um, we hear the, the you definitely brought up the whoosh, which is one of my favorite noises in all of television. Um, and then in this version of the episode where they throw that little metal ball, uh, nothing really happens. It just kind of the ball just rolls out and then we just move on to the next part. But if I remember correctly, in the original version, it's supposed to scan them um, to let the whoever is on the other side know what's going on. So right. it's it's like a it's a probe of some kind. Exactly. So we get the uh, Jaffa. They run in. Well, they don't really run. They kind of just stomp menacingly. Yeah. <laughs> very menacingly and very stompy, yeah. I might add. Yeah. It's probably the yeah. most stompy march I've ever seen. Yeah. Very escapable, the uh, Jaffa. Um, lots of blood. Lots of shooting. Staff weapons, uh, what appears to be semi-automatic weapons firing, full automatic, you know, standard Hollywood prop procedure. Um, they take a hostage. They take the woman hostage. Um, and then um, we get to see the first real instance of what uh, their special effects are going to be in this episode, which is the snake armor helmet. <laughs> Retra retracting. Now, I know they couldn't do... What the the Horace Guard armor did from the um the movie, but geez, uh, I actually really hate the snake armor on the Jaffa. Like in nineteen ninety seven, I didn't like it. It's been you know twelve years. Oh, I'm sorry, no, it's not been twelve years. No, it's been way more it's, than that. My yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm still not a huge fan of it. So. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, I don't. Yeah, the snake armor was mad. The uh, I mean, the special effects in general. I mean, let's be honest, and we'll we'll poke plenty of fun at it uh, in the future. But uh, if I remember correctly, it took this show a couple of seasons to get a special effects budget. Definitely. Um, and then so we see, um, you know, the new big bad in the gold armor because you know gold is he's the boss apparently, and then. Uh, General Hammond shows up in one of my favorite instances. Again, I was not in the military, but as the son of a military parents and as someone who is in um, ROTC, junior ROTC, as if that's something to brag about, um, General Hammond is in full uniform. Okay, I have that same note. Hammond, my man, walks in in full dress uniform, hat and coat. Yeah, like... 
I don't know what the regulations are for generals, but I'm pretty sure you don't have to wear the hat indoors. So this is just supposed to... Did he grab the hat and coat, like, on his way out the door to a, like, code red emergency in the Stargate room? I I don't know. (laughs) I saw my dad in full uniform many times as a child, and I can tell you, never wore his hat indoors, never wore his coat indoors. (laughs) So, what if this uh, was like, what if this was like, uh, 0800 hours? It's like 0801 in the morning, right? Like, he's just walking in, he hasn't even got his coffee yet. And uh, made it to his office, and then that's when the the alarm goes off. That's my headcanon anyway. All right, fair enough. I'll accept that. Um, And then we get an actual instance of uh, glowing eye syndrome, um, which is what I'm going to call from now on uh, the thing that Stargate uses to show you that someone is a ga'ul. Um, (laughs) But we don't know that's what they're called yet. Yeah, well, and at this point, we don't technically really know anything. I mean, as far as we know, the the big bad from the movie, Raw, you know, is dead, right? You know, he he, he had a nuke shoved in his face at the end of the thing. So who's this uh, new guy that uh, looks a lot like Raw, has uh, soldiers similar to Raw, and has the same weird, shitty, glowing eyes as Raw? Exactly. So he his eyes glow, everyone freaks out. Uh, and then we move on to the next scene where they show up, um, two Air Force officers actually show up to um, Jack O'Neill's house. Uh, O'Neill with two L's, mind you. Um, they they walk around. They're like, hey, where's this dude at? And then some guy's like, I see a ladder. <laughs> yeah, so, I think I saw a dude on the roof. Yeah, so two dudes in full dress uniform, again, full dress uniform, uh, climbing up on a roof. So, you know, that's not weird. Uh, O'Neill is, you know, up on the roof. He's looking through a telescope and he's like, yo, you got to get reassigned to NASA. And then guys like, yo, you got to come back. Um, there's a problem with the Stargate. He's like, no, I'm retired. Yeah. (laughs) And then we get the first shot of the O'Neill face, which is Richard Dean Anderson acting as hard as Richard Dean Anderson can act. Uh, just staring directly at the camera with confusion and dread. So um, this is a face just like the uh, GES, the glowing eye syndrome, um, something that you will see constantly in the show. Big fan of, uh, you know, they're telling them, you know, hey, uh, you know, something went down with the Stargate. We definitely need you to come back. Uh, You know, someone came through. Um, We're pretty sure it was an alien. Um, They're like, well, how do you know? Well, his eyes glowed. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty dead giveaway there, guys. Yeah, actually have here... um, under it's under uh what's it called underlined glowy eyes equals spooky (laughs) (laughs) of course uh o'neill's kind of like what are you talking about raw's dead and they're like are you sure he's yeah we blew a nuke up in his face he dead um i also want to point out while we're talking about this particular scene um we actually first get to find out what the jaffa like what they are we don't know what they're called we just know that they've got little pouchies um in their tum-tums and um i'm actually very impressed with this set like the actual cheyenne mountain complex set is one of my favorite sets in all of television especially in sci-fi television like because it's just very realistic um angular um, very much a military installation but fantastic set i just want to point that out well i'm a big fan of the uh uh so we, we get O'Neill into Cheyenne Mountain. By the way, that, that exterior shot of, of Cheyenne Mountain, 
Uh, I can't wait to see that exact same shot a uh, hundred times in just this next season uh, because they reuse that shot in almost every episode. It's kind of impressive, but it's also great that we have the like hyper secure, secure facility. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not just one elevator that goes deep. There is then a second elevator that goes even deeper than the first. You got to have those uh, cutoff points in terms, you know, if you ever get uh, attacked, and you got to, you know, set up defense perimeters. You got to have multiple points of entry. So um, then we get to what what I just have underlined here is just exposition meeting with O'Neill, uh, Major Samuels, who uh, probably wins the award for least favorite Stargate character of all time, uh, and then General Hammond. So we just get uh, a big meeting where they just kind of talk about what happened in the movie. So you don't actually need to see the movie to see this episode or the show in general, but um, you just well, get this exposition. Yeah. Well, we get, we get Hammond uh, grilling O'Neill, you know, Hey, so uh, you know, about that time you were on another planet and then came back. Is everything in your report? <laughs> and turns out maybe it wasn't. Yeah. And then we get, um, uh, Jack's probably closest uh, way he can say, well, what ha- had happened was, uh, and then he talks about, you know, how uh, Jackson stayed behind. Um, I guess for those of the, the viewers or the listeners who have actually never seen the movie. Yeah, I was, um, how, who's viewing this podcast, yeah. Chris? <laughs> all right, now we got to uh, put it on YouTube just because you said uh, that. Fair enough. I, give me all the clicks. Uh, so we'll just kind of just do a condensed version of the movie. There's a, a ring, which is the Stargate. The Stargate spins. It opens up a wormhole to other planets that have Stargates. They go to a planet. Uh, there's a group of them. The main characters are Jack O'Neill and Dan- Dr. Daniel Jackson. Uh, they find an alien. Uh, they blow him up. And then Jackson stays behind. But O'Neill tells everyone that Jackson died. So where we're at now is he has just revealed that Daniel Jackson is actually alive living amongst the inhabitants of Abydos. And then um, he gets chastised. He gets sent to his room with no dinner. Um, <laughs> but he does have a good friend there waiting for him. Kowalski. Yes. It's our, yeah, it's uh, our first good conversation with Kowalski, um, who is sure to be a fan favorite in the Stargate universe. <laughs> for sure. Uh, legendary uh, character. Uh, Kowalski uh, still mad that they couldn't get French Stewart like what was third rock from the sun that popular they couldn't get this dude <laughs> off that yeah, set yeah they just uh, uh, Showtime back in uh, 97 just didn't have that French Stewart money I'm just gonna Google French Stewart 1997 this is good pod right here uh, let's see French Stewart 1997 what did he do uh, Mikhail's Navy Ooh, fantastic <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, oh, man. See. Maybe there's a reason they didn't call Fritz Stewart on this one. Oh, but did you know that Stargate was actually his film debut? Um, yeah, he was on Third Rock from the Sun from 1996 to 2001. So Mikhail's Navy and uh, Third Rock from the Sun was just cutting up too much of old Frenchie's time. So um, Hammond shows back up and he's like, hey, I don't want to blow anyone up unless I got to do it. Um, how do we know that Daniel Jackson is still alive? And then Jack is like, huh, oh, I have an idea. And he looks over and there is a box of tissues. 
and he's like, um, this is my message. <laughs> and so yeah, I, I love yeah, his Jack O'Neill's secret covert message to Daniel Jackson to see if he's still alive is, Hey, blow your nose, nerd. He was a geek, sir. Um, I actually have a question for you. Let's just kind of press pause on the tissue box because it definitely raised an interesting question for me. Kel, uh, if you and I were on the mission, let's say I'm Daniel Jackson and you're Jack O'Neill, and you had to send an object through the Stargate to me after you have not seen nor talked nor heard from me in over a year, what would that object be? Oh man, that is a very good question. Like really hard. Let me think. Uh, like how would I know it's from you in your head? Uh, I really don't know. What what, do you, what are you thinking? If it were me sending you a message, I would send you a pineapple. <laughs> if yep, I were Jack right. O'Neill and you were Daniel Jackson, and I had to send a message through a wormhole to you, I would send you a pineapple. Just okay, so I think I got it. I think I got it. I think I got it. Okay. Uh, the way you would know it was from me, I would send a uh, whatever the latest release of NBA 2K was. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, oh shit, send an Xbox. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, um, and we also, I actually have underlined over here as well. Um, this is actually one of the first moments, like real moments that we realize that this Jack O'Neill is a significantly different character than the Jack O'Neill from the Stargate movie. Oh Um, yeah, very much so. Like he's just a sarcastic ass to, um, Samuels, which is actually really funny, um, because Jack, like Jack O'Neill, the Kurt Russell Jack O'Neill is just a very brooding, very intense person. He was. Um, I mean, there was the whole like, uh, you know, kid died storyline thing that was real prominent in the movie. And he was just this mad, angry dude. Yeah. Very bitter. Um, just not not just, to say that uh, the Richard Dean Anderson portrayal does not also have its, uh, you know, bitter moments here and there, but. Uh, definitely a much, uh, I, I would say a much lighter portrayal of the character, especially with the uh, the humor thrown in. Yes, very much so. Yeah, it just RDA um, just really made a choice. And I don't know if that was like, a, he looked at the script and was like, I'm just going to play this guy like he wants to be a stand-up comedian. But he just really made a choice and really stuck with it through the entire series. So. Yeah, I, I mean, my my favorite thing about him is that he in no way actually reads as, you know, military officer, <laughs> but yeah. uh, he is still the perfect Jack O'Neill, in my opinion. For sure. Um, I I like Jack O'Neill. I like the, the Richard Dean Anderson Jack O'Neill um, for the show. I don't think I could have taken 10 seasons of Kurt Russell just boring his eyes into me every time he looked at me, you know, just staring through my soul with those smoldering, uh, Oh, anyways. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, we definitely, we get a different version of Kurt, uh, uh, Jack O'Neill. And then we get the first of the very infamous briefing scenes. Um, yeah. And speaking of smoldering, uh, we get to meet for the first time, 
one Captain Samantha Carter coming in hot as well. Yeah, and um, the Amazon version definitely cut out a lot of the dialogue from this scene, which is actually, in retrospect, really funny. Um, I mean, it was funny in the moment, but it's even funnier now. Um, There's actually a very, very famous line that got cut out that says, uh, this is after she and you know Jack are going back and forth, um, where she says, and just because my reproductive organs are on the inside instead of the outside doesn't mean I can't handle whatever you can handle. Just, you know, Sam just knocking him out of the park for feminism. Yeah, um, and Kowalski comes at her, you know, uh, talking about Stargate stuff and what it's like to go through, and he's trying to describe it to her, and he's like, oh, you ever pull eight Gs in a simulated bombing run? Fuck yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> Samantha just coming in, dropping that dick on the table. Like, look, guys, I got this. We get, you know, Jack also gets to say Carter, question mark, for the very first time, which is something oh, that wow. he says. Oh, wow, yeah. We'll hear that a million times coming up. Quite often. Uh, and it, this scene also actually perfectly represents how Jack O'Neill feels about science. It um, really does. Like, he is so openly hostile <laughs> about yeah. science and scientists. It's it's very Trumpish in a way. Um, I wouldn't even necessarily say Trumpish, but like, so this show gets compared favorably or unfavorably, depending on how you feel, to other sci-fi television shows. Um, for instance, in a very popular and much beloved science fiction television show, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Hold on a second. I think both of our dogs can hear each other barking. <laughs> um, hey, hold up. Hey, hold up sure. for just a second. I think there's someone at my door. Okay. Okay, I think Mary Beth ordered pizza and it just got delivered. <laughs> Fair enough. It's like, why is my dog going nuts over here? So whenever Sam actually starts to talk about how the hell the Stargate works, um, Jack O'Neill just stops listening. Uh, And he's just like, General, another scientist, um, which is very different than the way that other commanding officers have dealt with their underlings when they talk about science. Um, Just like in Star Trek Next Generation, whenever Data starts yapping about X, Y, Z, Everyone just stares intently, listening, hanging on every word. Uh, Jack O'Neill would not do that for Data. <laughs> no, no, he would He would hate Data. He'd be like, okay, yeah, another nerd. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Way to sure. saddle me with this one. So um, essentially what happens is we get approval um, to go back through the gate uh, because Daniel actually sends the tissue box back with the word written on it, um, you know, Thanks. Send more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we know that Jack, we know that Daniel's alive. Um, we have the briefing. Everyone gets sent out. Um, and then we get um, in the Amazon version. The CG has actually been changed. Really? Um, I didn't I realize I that. Yeah. Uh, I have seen that the, the gate travel CGI many times, and this is a different one. It's still good, but it's not the same. Uh, but we do get that. And then we arrive on Abydos. Um, where we have a little bit of a uh, uh, Mexican standoff. Can you say Mexican standoff anymore? Uh, we have just <laughs> essentially a bunch of people drawing guns on each other, and then one person recognizes another one. Daniel shows up. 
uh, played by Michael Shanks. Yeah, not. our first our first glimpse of Michael Shanks. Uh, actually, I think the uh, the better played Doctor Daniel Jackson, in my opinion. So um, Ron Abydos, uh, we get uh, Sam talking about the DHD, as we learn to eventually call it. Yeah, she's just losing her shit over it, realizing that this is the 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 piece that allows the gate to actually dial, essentially, um, you know, the uh, the code to open up the wormhole to another world. It's the the piece of the Stargate system that apparently was missing from the Stargate found on Earth. And then she meets Daniel, which is one of my favorite lines that always makes me giggle when she says, Dr. Jackson, I presume, uh, which is a direct reference to Dr. Livingston, I presume. Yeah, it was a nice little hat tip. I liked it. So um, they go to, they have a little dinner scene because they were going to do some exploring, but they can't do the exploring because there's a sandstorm, uh, which is just an excuse to have everyone sit down and have some friendly banter. Um, they eat some food, and then Scara hands Jack what appears to be a uh, spray painted gravy boat uh, filled. <laughs> like, what? What an absolute! Uh, just the wrong implement to use for a cup, right? I mean, he, he's handing him a, a drink essentially, which we'll get into. Uh, but this thing is, it's, it's shaped like a, a gravy boat, but it's pointy on both ends. It's, if you had like a Joker smile, like maybe that would be the right, you know, shape. Uh, but, and, and the way they drink it, they don't even drink out of it from like the pointy end, right. That would funnel it into a nice stream. No, it's sideways, the wide end where it's all going to come crashing down all over. You. Uh, which <laughs> speaking of the drink, in fact, is moonshine. Um, which a little Abydos uh, finest. <laughs> yeah, he's, Jack spits out um, and then makes a face that reminds me of any time. Um, I mean, I've never seen my face when I drink Rumple Mints, but I can only assume that this is what my face looks like when I drink Rumple Mints. <laughs> that, that's absolutely the Rumple Mints <laughs> face, 100%. <laughs> um, and then Scar tries to return the Zippo, um, uh, Zippo lighter. Uh, flashback to the movie. Jack gives Scar the Zippo lighter, you know, so it's like a gift. He's trying to return it. And then he's like, no, I gave that to you. And then the scene, we get a real quick cut to the infamous scene that we alluded to at the beginning of this episode, um, where Apophis, uh, we don't know his name yet. We just know he's a spooky dude. Well, let's, um, let's, let's back up because I think we're, uh, we're glossing over something that's actually pretty important to the rest of the entire series, I think at this point is because up to this point in the show, uh, or at least, you know, with the movie going into this show, the assumption was always that the gate only went between two worlds, right? It was, there was a gate on earth and there was a gate on Abydos and that was where they went. Um, but this is where we finally get the premise for how this is going to be a, <laughs> uh, a weekly show uh, when, uh, you know, the sandstorm ends and Daniel takes them into uh, another room that he found nearby uh, the Abydos gate room, uh, which, uh, I mean, essentially amounts to just a, a giant fucking phone book. Yeah. So it just and I believe the, they use the word addresses um, quite literally and accurately. Um so yeah, we figure out that there's probably millions of other Stargates. I mean, I don't know how big, 
you know, I know how big the Milky Way galaxy is. I don't know how many livable planets there would actually be, uh, but we there's a lot, so we can go yeah, to a bunch and, of different places. Yeah, and Samantha Carter is making a big deal about you know how there's so many and how it would take so long to explore each of them. How are they even going to record all of this? She has a little handy cam with her and she just starts videotaping vigorously trying to get every single hieroglyph. I mean, who is she Federico Fellini? Like what's going on? Um, when the, the, the bad guy shows up, um, he actually, what the scene I'm referring to is when he actually, we find out that these aliens are a parasite. They're a little sneaky little snake, a little water worm that is actually housed in the tummy pouches of what appear to be humans. Um, we get our first glimpse of um, a very important character uh, with a little gold thing cut into his head. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's our, our first glimpse of a who may someday be a friend. Yeah. Um, and then so this dude starts talking, not the not the guy with the gold thing on his head, but the big bad alien. You know, he's like, you could be the vessel for my future queen. And then we're like, what? And then the snake pops out of the girl's stomach. And uh, I can tell you, it freaked me out as a kid. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's a the- weird shot. And it's an even it, the, the whole, the whole scene is, is odd with the way it kind of comes out. Cause you have like that perfect little like cross section on the stomach where the, the skin folds away and the, the, the parasite uh, slithers its way out. Uh, yeah, for a child, I would imagine that's a fairly disturbing scene. It, you know, it's alien-esque without all of the uh, explosions. Yeah, um, and this is this is a scene that actually originally had full frontal nudity. Um, this is the scene that I was full talking frontal. about. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I did not expect it. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I yeah, because I, man, I don't remember watching that episode as a kid. Uh, honestly, and uh, in fact, I don't think I ever did. Uh, but you know, when I did a re a watch of the series, you know, some years back, uh, and I was watching this first episode, uh, legitimately surprised to actually see full bush <laughs> in this sci-fi TV show, which ends up becoming like a basic cable show later on down the line. Yeah, I mean, imagine for a moment, it's nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, you know, I'm just sitting there in my room watching TV and then all of a sudden, you know, naked woman, uh, very naked woman, a lot of naked woman. And, you know, I, I had seen breasts before. Um, I don't think I had ever actually seen, um, female genitalia. So it was definitely a surprise for me. I can tell you that. But um, what's interesting about the recut in the way they did it is because it suddenly makes it incredibly clear how unnecessary that nudity actually was. Oh, definitely. Like, you didn't need it. You, you didn't need it to prove anything. Yeah, um, this this was not tasteful full frontal nudity. This was not artistic full yeah. frontal nudity. This was Showtime trying to flex and get viewership. So um, the snaky snake... Uh, denies this this woman who has been captured from the very first scene of the show 
Um, she denies the the snaky snake, or the, I'm sorry, the snaky snake denies hers. <laughs> yeah, snake, she, snaky snake uh, starts checking her out and just nah, nah, not for me. Mm, you better find another one. And then uh, she dies, you know, uh, which is sad. Yeah, yeah, immediately he's like, oh, you don't, oh, fine, trash. Yeah, throw her out. It's, it was instant. And I think this is an important scene for later on in the show, but it really just kind of underscores, like, the cruelty of these people. Um, but it actually hides a very, like, kind of poignant moment that um, these guys rule by fear. Um, and and the reason why they do is because no one can actually know what they are. Um as you find out later on in the in this episode, people think that they're gods, um, but they're not gods. They're parasites. But they can't let people know what they are, which is why yeah. they kill this woman. Like, it, it, it would have been unnecessary to kill her. They could have just, like, thrown her in a room, and then she could have just been part of his harem or whatever. And then, but she would have said, hey, did you know that there's, like, a weird snaky snake in that, in these people? And then that would, you know, who knows what that would happen. But we never find out because she dies. Um, then we uh, we get an assault on the gate room in Abydos. Um, we actually get to hear Teal talk for the first time. Um, you know, that deep, booming voice of Christopher Judge. Um, you know, he's like, hey, where'd you get these guns? You're not supposed to have these guns. The only time we ever saw these guns was on this other planet. Um, they take Sharae, they take Skara. Um, Ferretti gets popped in the head, um, and then we uh, we get a very important scene where Daniel, you know, breaks down because his wife's been taken, she's been kidnapped, his brother-in-law's been kidnapped, um, but they have to go back to Earth. Um, but what's very important about the scene is um, is actually very action-packed. Uh, there's a lot of explosions, a lot of gunshots, and just, um, you know, I've never been in a firefight, Kel. I've never been involved with a bunch of guns going off. But I feel like everyone in this show is a bad shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of uh, missed shots on this one. Uh, I mean, you know, again, like you're saying, you don't know the stress and the reality of the situation, so to speak. But, uh, I mean, can we fucking hit something? Something? I'll, all I know is if if I had what well, I think this dude has an AA-12, which is a fully automatic shotgun with a drum magazine. All I know is if I know exactly where my opponents are coming, and I, it is very confined space funneled directly towards my cone of fire. I would have killed every single one of them. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like they're all coming in a very, sm- you know where they're coming from and going to. That's my point. Like there should be no way that none of these guys die. Like it's just, it, anyways, we're just going to move on because it's just going to stress me out. Um, <laughs> as it turns out, there is a, uh, this is a room full of prisoners where Sharae and Scar get taken to. Um, they uh, There's just a bunch of different, what appear to be humans. And then you're like, whoa, where'd all these humans come from? Uh, and as it turns out, essentially what happens is these aliens just kidnap lots of people from different planets and then uh, try to make them hosts. Because um, 
that's what happens. Share gets taken um, from the group of people. She just gets taken away. Um, and then we hear, you know, Teal'c say again, you know, like, hey, her death or, or your death cannot save her. And you're like, what? Why is this guy talking? Like, why doesn't he want me to die? So just another little... Another little glimpse. Yeah, behind we're the starting. Eyes. We're starting to see that maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's something else to this uh, this tough um, Jaffa guy that seems to be hanging out with uh, Snaky Snake Alien dude. Uh, maybe he's not as bad as the the rest of them. Uh, but uh, you know, and by this point too, uh, we've got the you know the the humans, the the SG teams um, have made it. You know, gone through the gate. They made it back to Earth. Um, and, uh, I didn't realize this was actually in the first episode, but they get back to earth. They come through the gate and we f- see our first glimpse of the, uh, the Iris, the infamous Iris, oh, which yes. definitely becomes a, uh, a pretty huge plot device throughout the entire series. Yeah. Um, you know, Samuels is like, is the Iris, nothing to penetrate it. Um, and apparently it's like, it's posted up. Less than a, I think the micrometer, I think was the actual. Yeah, I believe, I want to say Carter said three micron, uh, yeah, three micrometers uh, between the uh, event horizon of the Stargate and the iris itself. Fair enough. I, I don't even know <laughs> Which, how big sup- or sp- Yeah, supposedly that is enough that uh, no matter could reconstitute on the other side of the, the gate at all whatsoever. Fair enough. Um, and then we, we get a, like a little, a funny little moment where um, Daniel's like, hey, I want to be on the team that goes to rescue my wife. And then General Hammond's like, you're in no position to make demands, Jackson. Like, <laughs> we thought you were dead up until this point. Yeah, but he but he's like yelling at him like, why are you yeah. yelling at me? Like, I just met you. <laughs> yeah, real pissed at him. Can I say this is also the moment that I suddenly realized that uh, Daniel's Daniel Jackson's hair was absolutely perfect for having been on Abydos for a year, <laughs> hanging out with essentially a primitive people. Well, you know, his wife, you know, she studied cosmetology. Must uh, have, <laughs> because it was not only perfect, but also in style for the era. Yeah. Um, you know, he uh, a man ahead of his time. You know, very a renaissance man, if you will. Um, and then we have a nice little moment with Daniel and Jack... At Jack's house, and they're drinking some beers. Um, you know, you find out exactly, you know, what what's going on with Jack's wife. You know, what's going on with his kid. Um, you know, spoiler alert from the movie. Um, Jack O'Neill is is married. Well, was married, I guess. Uh, and they had a son who um, accidentally shot himself with Jack's gun, um, and so. Which kind of, uh, you know, it, it was the reason for Kurt Russell's brooding portrayal of yes. uh, Daniel. Uh, I'm sorry, of Jack O'Neill. Yeah. And so, um, as it turns out, after he got back from Abydos the first time, his wife leaves. Um, you know, probably. I, I mean, I don't know if she took anything because the house is fairly furnished. Um, yeah, it looks nice. And so we have our second briefing um, where essentially we find out what's going on. Um Daniel surmises that Raw wasn't actually the Raw of ancient Egypt, but a guy who showed up on Earth found a bunch of people who believed in this uh, pantheon of uh, gods 
and uh, he decides like, who uh, who's the mo- who's the most important one? And they're like Raw. He's like, cool, that's me. I'm Raw. Woo. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, they they do uh, you know what uh, the Arthur C. Clarke uh, famous quote kind of alludes to when you say that the uh, t- sufficiently advanced enough technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. Uh, these guys have the most advanced technology, obviously. <laughs> uh, and so they uh, they hop down on Earth and be like, yo, what up? The gods are here. Yeah. Um, and then we get the first presidential order um, essentially establishing what the SGC is and becomes uh, a formation of, uh, I believe the original number was nine teams, um, you know, designated SG1, SG2, SG3. Um, Jack O'Neill becomes the, you know, commanding officer of SG1, uh, the most prestigious of all SG teams. Um, I've actually done some uh, research on the Stargate wiki, which, I mean, it's just who I am as a human. Uh, <laughs> uh, so several of the SG teams are devoted only to research, scientific research. They, they don't, like, SG1 is an exploratory team. Um, but yeah, there's other teams that actually just, they go to planets after SG one shows up and just kind of learn shit. <laughs> yeah, our boy, uh, our boy Kowalski gets himself uh, a nice posting on running Team SG two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so we get the uh, the the mission where they're actually going to go to Chulak. Um, Chulak, Chulak. I li- I like Chulak. I- I'm into that one. I mean, there. This show is frustratingly annoying about how the different ways people pronounce things as we'll find out later on. Uh, <laughs> Lots of apostrophes and weird spots of words. Uh, I don't yeah. know, especially if you uh, watch the show with subtitles on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how many times I've misspelled Share and Teal'c. Uh, <laughs> um, we Squiggly get to- lines all over my notes. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we arrive on Chulak. Which looks surprisingly like Canada, don't you say? <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably. Cons- like, I mean, considering I, that's probably where it was filmed in a Canadian forest. I've never been, but I'm just going to assume British Columbia. Uh, and then we get a scene where they kind of talk. Daniel's trying to explain to him like how the different gates work. Jack doesn't want to hear about it. He just moves on with his life. Um, you know, we we establish there's going to be claymores. Do you know what claymore mines actually do, Kel? Um, you know, run me through it. Obviously in the show, they can't show you exactly what claymores do to human being bodies. Uh, but just imagine being shot at point blank range with thousands of tiny little plastic BBs, uh, projected forward with a very massive explosive force. So, and how uh, many did, uh, Sam set up? I don't know, but she said she set him up every 10 meters. Um, I think she said 10 meters. I didn't write it down, but, um, that's all. I, I just like the line. She gives it to Kowalski, and then he just looks at her. He's like, "Yeah, that'll do it." <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you got him. <laughs> just, the, just trying to show her a little bit of respect, you know. Um, we get the scene where Shaw Ray actually gets taken as a host for the uh, for the Snaky Snakes, um, and yeah, we get this, a, this time the Snaky Snakes not quite as picky. See, Sharay is uh, is a little uh, happier about this one. And uh, and we, we get to see uh, th- this very scared human suddenly become a host to a very awful parasite. 
Yeah. Um, and then we get actually um, a very interesting scene where uh, it just zooms crazy deep onto old uh, Teal's face, which, which I mean, I don't know if he's like showing distraught, <laughs> but it's definitely the face of a man who does not enjoy being in the room with whatever the hell is going on. Um, and so then again, another little chink in the uh, armor of, uh, you know, this, his facade, like, whoa, Hey, why does this guy care that this is happening? Um, we get to, um, Jack, Sam and Daniel, uh, leave Kowalski and a very cool remote controlled vehicle, uh, alone. And they, you know, are running around and they roll up on some monks. Um, Daniel uses his extensive knowledge of, you know, I think later on in the show he says he speaks 35, 36 languages. Yeah, I mean, that's um, his whole uh, his whole shtick, right, is that he is this, like, crazy linguistics expert. In fact, I believe from the, uh, the, the lore of the movie, that was the whole reason they brought him on board. He was, like, a leading um, uh, expert uh, in hieroglyphs. Actually, he was kind of being laughed out of his field at the moment, but that's his whole thing, his languages. Uh, and he is able to uh, pick up and start conversating with this group of monks after, what, five words? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's they're like, Chulak? And he's like, yeah, Chulak. Let's Chulak, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they uh, arrive at a, a completely different CG picture of Chulak. Um, you know, it's a very look who's coming to dinner kind of thing. Um, they sit down. You hear a bunch of noises. Um, some dude rolls up with a really big horn, which uh, Dropping I thought was fantastic. Dropping fire on them. <laughs> I love Bighorn Dude. I love how it also, it, it all fires backward, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, how big was this ram thing? I want to see what the hell this thing came off of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they, they blast this very deep bass note, or I mean, probably baritone note. I don't know how deep it gets. Um, and then dude shows up, um, Snakey Snake guy shows up with his uh, consort, which with, covered with a veil is actually Share. Um, she gets outed as one of them. She has glowy eyes. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm not saying that the actress that played this character, Share, um, was lively and emotive um, and someone of very um, expressive behavior. Uh, but her turn as a snaky snake uh, is one of, I'm just going to turn my nose up and then slowly <laughs> rotate my head from left to right she and really not does. say a word. <laughs> yeah, as, as soon as she gets uh, possessed by the symbiote, uh, I mean, it is a completely one-dimensional character. Does she even say anything? I don't even think she has any lines after that point. It's all just looking menacingly and glowy eyes. Yeah, I mean, she got a rate, so who knows? Or maybe they just couldn't pay her that much to actually have lines in the show. <laughs> uh, and then, so Daniel rolls up, and then we actually get to see um, the hand device, which is really cool. Yeah, um, the Gould hand device. Yeah, which, um, again, I've never been involved in any sort of combat, but I feel like I could dodge every single hand device blast, as we'll find out <laughs> later on. Um, we get into a we get into a prison. You know, uh, well, so da so Daniel gets blasted with his hand device. Uh, Jack and 
Sam get, you know, conked in the back of the head. Um, they wake up in what is a, a prison. Um, Teal shows up and he's like, hey, what's this thing do? And he's like, it's a watch. He's like, what does it do? He's like, well, tells me what time it is. And he's like, where are you from? And he's like, why would you, why would you have such a device? Yeah. And he's <laughs> do like, your where gods you? not tell you what time it is? <laughs> Don't you know? Can't you look at the sun? Uh, and then he's like, where are you from? And he's like, Chicago. Like, <laughs> if, if I had met an alien for the first time and they spoke my language, they asked me where I was from, you know, Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where are you from, son? Uh, and so um, he, he's like, your words don't mean anything to me. Daniel draws the uh, symbol of Earth from the Stargate, which is a really cool upside down V with the lollipop on top, which I always really dug. I think it's a really cool symbol. Um, and then um, as it turns out, they announce when Sharae shows up with Snakey Snake Man, they announce his Lord Apophis. And then Daniel surmises that Lord Apophis was the Lord of Darkness in ancient Egyptian mythology. Um, right, so we, the, the the brother essentially of uh, Egyptian god Ra. Right. Um, so you know that kind of symbolizes everything. So Apophis is a big bad, like he's the god of the dead, or not the god of the dead, but the god of darkness essentially. So. Um, you know, we and, can who's, autom- and who's fairly ticked off at this point that uh, apparently this, um, you know, group of people from this cut off planet uh, are the ones that took out his brother. Yeah. Um, Apophis shows back up, which let me ask you a question. How much swag is Apophis dripping in oh, when he rolls up in this outfit, dude? He's got. <laughs> All of that drip going on. This thing is blinged out to the ninth degree. It's it's absolutely. I mean, dude. Let's be honest for just a second. I mean, yeah. If you were an, an all powerful alien being, uh, masquerading as a god, would you not do the same? <laughs> just. Uh, I I heard a term the other day from someone from Philadelphia who says dripping in swagoo. Uh, and, <laughs> there was swagoo all over the place. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Um, yeah, and so it turns out this is going to be another choosing scene where they actually are going to take the humans, um, and then so they take Scara, um, and then Daniel hits up some dude and he's like, "Yo, um, tell me, you know, does anything of the host survive?" And then the guy's like, "Nothing. Nothing of the host survives." So it, yeah, and this scene's a little bit weird. It's it's a little uh, human trafficky. I mean, because these aren't uh, you know Apophis. Uh, he, you know, he's good to go. He's got his uh, his queen now, and I guess this is some other ghouls, uh, you know, other alien beings that roll with him that are uh, looking for kids. Essentially, they need uh, hosts for their children. A little human trafficking <laughs> okay it's a lot it's exactly what it is it, it, that is the perfect description it is actually in fact humans being trafficked trafficked uh to these alien beings oh no you said it uh and so um everyone the the they choose who they're gonna choose um and then apophis is like yo kill everyone else 
and then everyone starts freaking out um, because they're going to die, right? And then, uh, so T-Oak's walking around, and then he, like, he, Jack's like, yo, I can save these people. Yeah, and Jack, I guess, has kind of picked up on, uh, you know, the fact that, and we've we've seen little glimpses of this, that uh, this, you know, Jaffa working for Raw seems to kind of be, you know, um, head dude in charge of these guys. Seems like maybe he's kind of not for this life anymore. He's not a big fan of what's going on. He he doesn't maybe uh, agree with uh, uh, Apophis's decisions at this point. Exactly. And so he turns on his bros, um, shoots him with a staff weapon, tosses that to Jack. And, you know, you forget that Jack O'Neill has his experience with a staff weapon. Um, and is actually quite proficient taking out what appears to be a group of five or six Jaffa um, with Teal'c. Um, and then he blows out a wall, <laughs> uh, shooting it a couple times with the staff weapon. Everyone's running out. And then he's like, I don't have anywhere else to go. And Jack's like, you can stay at my place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're coming with me, my dude. And, um, I like get, you. Yeah. We get a nice little exposition scene, um, where they're just kind of walking around and Teal'c's like, my name's Teal'c. Um, I'm a Jaffa. Um, Jaffa essentially are the incubators of the uh, larval Goa'uld, which is what we find out the snaky snakes are actually called. Yeah, um, finally, we get the name of the alien and we kind of get the whole idea of, you know, the fact that they're, uh, you know, the Jaffa are the, the incubators for this parasite or symbiote or whatever you want to call it. Um, but uh, that, yeah, it's it part of his job is to have one of these little fuckers inside of him at all times. Yeah. And he's like, this is the 12th one that I've carried. It's like, what? <laughs> uh, and then, so, uh, death gliders show up, um, which is a very intimidating name for, a, uh, uh, one of the best names for an uh, alien <laughs> spacecraft I've ever heard a death glider. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Big uh, fan. And so they start shooting up the place, kill a couple of the humans. And then Kowalski, um, you know, shows up and he's with the save, you know, the, he tosses that bomb. Um, well, he doesn't really toss a bomb. He shoots a missile out of what I think <laughs> is, uh, a, I think it's a stinger. I think what that thing is actually called is a stinger missile, um, shoulder mounted, uh, wire guided rocket. I don't know if you knew that or not, but the thing's actually guided by a wire from the, uh, launcher. Oh no, I had no idea. Um, I, all I do know is he nails the shit out of that death glider. <laughs> um, they show up back at the Stargate. Um, Scara's there. Um, you actually get a very cool scene um, right before the death glider show up, I think, where the the shuttle that drops them off um, also knew uh, CGI. So uh, that was not how it was <laughs> showing it originally first aired. Um but yeah, Scar's a ghoul now. He uses the hand of ice, blast Jack. Again, I could have dodged this thing. Uh, and then uh, we have a really cool scene where we have our first like Jaffa assault um, where six people with guns hold off what appear to be like 50 of these dudes with these staff weapons, uh, which just go to underscore how these guys are just goons. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't know. They're your, your generic henchmen, so to speak. Yeah. And then it's just they take a, like a bunch of them out. You get to see the claymores explode. 
which um, do their job and do them quite well. We, we get, uh, a, a, you know, half a dozen or so Jaffa uh, <laughs> getting blowed up and rolling down a hill. Yeah. And we get um, a guy who just is pelting uh, these Jaffa in the face with rocks. Yeah, just <laughs> rolls up next to uh, to Colonel O'Neill, starts picking up rocks off the ground and chucking them at the Jaffa and is doing a better job hitting them than the, some of the guys with guns. Yeah, uh, this dude's like the Uncle Rico uh, of Stargate <laughs> SG-1 because he's, he's tossing those things over a mountain. Uh, and so um, everyone gets through the Stargate. They close the iris. A bunch of the baddies thud against it. Uh, and we're pretty much getting close to the end here. Um, you know, O'Neill's like, hey, this dude's teal. I want him to join SG one general Hammond's like, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. Hey, let's, uh, let's bring the previously hostile alien guy that we just picked up on another planet and have him join our team of galactic explorers. (laughs) Yeah. Of highly, highly sophisticated, intensely, intensely classified, uh, (laughs) military operation. Not yeah, to mention that, that Tilk has one of these uh, snaky snake aliens in his tum tum. Yeah, we'll just yeah we'll let him join Jack. That's a great idea, you fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Fuck it, I don't care because I love Tilk. Uh, I mean, we don't get a whole lot of him in this episode, you know, quite yet. You know, it's not he, his character doesn't really pick up until the uh, the season kind of starts to take off. Uh, but one of my absolute favorite characters in the entire show is Tilk. Uh, I mean, definitely, like, probably one of my favorite characters in um, probably all of sci-fi. Um, definitely ticks a lot of boxes when it comes to, you know, alien, who, um, outsider, um, very, like, stoic. Like, he com- kind of combines, like, Worf and Spock. Like, if I were to use, like, a Star Trek comparison. Yeah, no, that, I think that's that's kind of a, a good uh, analogy there, a good amalgamation of characters that kind of describe who he is, Uh yeah, you're right. Very stoic, you know, smart, but he will whip that ass if he needs to. I just, I'm going to say this right now, uh, and I'm going to upset a lot of people, but I think Teal would do a better job than Worf uh, right. if he yeah, were, were the. Uh... Ooh, man, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, watch out comments now, Chris. Now Hot that take. you had to put that one out there. Hot take coming in, fresh out the <laughs> oven. Um, so then the episode ends with Jack kind of telling Daniel that they're going to find Scara and Share and. Um, you know, that's kind of the end of the episode. You get a nice little shot of the four of them standing next to each other and then uh scene. Um, yeah, I we, have a, we got our setup for the rest of the show. I only have one additional note and you've kind of touched on it earlier, but there, <laughs> there are a lot of apostrophes and a lot of names. in this show. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. And I, I, I was realizing I was going through making notes myself. I don't know where they go. I just have random apostrophes all over the place. The amount of red squiggles in my notes right now uh, is is honestly giving me a little bit of anxiety. We have like Share and the word R next to each other. And it's like, no, no, no. You just use the word R. You're not supposed to use it again. Um, <laughs> thanks, Google. Thanks, Google uh, Notes. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, the first episode or the first two-parter episode of Stargate SG-1. The Children of the Gods. Um, so uh, tell me what you think about this episode, Kill. 
you know, I, I'm a fan of the episode. Um, you know, again, this is it is interesting watching it as a recut. Um, and I think the recut itself is is pretty clean. Um, I think they did a good job. It doesn't. Uh, I don't think much of the story got taken away at all. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's it's a good show, and like I said, it, it's quintessential because it it is essentially. Uh, you know, it's a two-parter, I think, mainly because they had to set up and remind people of a lot of lore to get ready to kind of go into this first season of the show. You know, we're we're com- kind of changing the rules, so to speak, in this one. And I think they did a good job with it. I think they got a lot of that, you know, information out there and, and did a good job with the setup. The CGI, of course, leaves a little something to be desired here and there. I mean, the special effects weren't great yet. Uh, but like I said, I think it took them a while to, you know, get the get the budget going. But, you know, uh, it the episode made me excited to rewatch the series. That's what I'm most excited about is getting to rewatch this really awesome show all over again, because it's been a while and it, it's one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, I um, uh, we were uh, we were at work the other day and one of our coworkers casually just dropped uh, that this show is actually on Amazon Prime, and uh, I immediately went home and watched the first episode. Uh, I uh, I really dig this show. Um, there's a lot of things that I like about it. I mean, there's a couple of things that I don't like, but it's a pilot, right? Um, you know, you got to explore, you got to expand, you got to change. Um, as much as I have much love for the original for the movie, you know, Roland Emmerich, you know, thank goodness for him being a person um you know you get a lot of um a lot of you know there's some changes whether good or bad you know the actors couldn't stay the same that's okay uh but i definitely think in terms of the way the show works um you don't get a whole lot of sci-fi that's i mean i don't want to say grounded in reality but you don't get a lot of sci-fi that's like on earth in a time and date that's kind of relatable Right. And that, that was the great thing about this show is that it, it is essentially set in present day. This is not, you know, far future or anything like that. This is not about, you know, humans have now reached space and fly around in ships. This is this set in, in present day, or at least at the time, present day Earth um, and is, you know, using that as, as the backdrop, you know, of this exploration, which is kind of neat. Right. Because we get. We get to be based on Earth, but get to explore all of these different planets every week. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited um, to watch the series again. I've actually uh, I've, I've gotten my, my, my new wife, uh, <laughs> who is actually... <laughs> Not the old wife. No, no, the only one that I've ever had. Uh, I've, she has actually never watched any of Stargate SG-1 until I made her start watching it. Um, and you know, you know, as much as I do about, uh, Elizabeth that, uh, she loves science fiction. She loves star Wars. She loves star Trek. I mean, on our first date, I showed her my star Trek tattoo and she was like, I'm going to marry this guy. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and she, did it. she actually followed through with it. Yeah. Yeah. She did it. Um, but yeah, no. So it's, it's fun to, for me to watch the show with someone who's never seen any of the episodes. Um, because you know you get to go you get to experience all of those things again for the first but not for the second time but through the lens of another person so like seeing the different reactions and seeing what's going on like watching her freak out when Shara gets taken um you know all the different you know 
different scenes. Uh, we're like, whoa, what's going on? What's is, is Ferretti going to live? Like what's going on, you know, with uh, Sam? Like it's just fun. Um, and the show's fun. And it's actually, again, when it comes to a pilot, I think this is a very good one. Um, I didn't need the full frontal nudity. I think it makes it better overall because we actually get to watch it with other people who wouldn't watch a show that has full frontal nudity. Um, so at some point, you know, whenever we decide to have children, uh, this is a show that I can watch with my kids. Uh, and that's what makes it great is it's, it's good for an adult male in his thirties and it's good for, you know, his wife and their future possible children. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I am too, man. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a fun time, uh, watching these shows, getting to talk about them with my best bud after the fact. So I, I can't wait to, to dig into more of these. All right. So that was, um, I think, uh, pretty much all that we need to talk about. Um, there may be some stuff that we uh, decide in the future that we might do. I mean, this episode's running long because it's an out, it's a 90 minute pilot. So we had to get a lot of stuff in there, but um, we didn't really have any sort of bits or any sort of like gimmicks, but I'm sure that those will develop on their own organically as the, <laughs> as our podcast. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, we just kind of wanted to, to get this one out there, you know, I, 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 again, you know, part of this is, is just an excuse to, uh, you know, watch a, a show that I really like and, and get to talk about it with, uh, with my, my best friend. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we just kind of, uh, you know, talk about it and, and see where the magic of this wonderful, wonderful show takes us. <laughs> I agree. All right. So that was the first episode. Um, do you have an outro that you would like to attempt or I mean, um, would you like to experiment with? You know, nothing, nothing in the can, so to speak. Uh, I, I definitely will say, hey, if you did like this episode uh, and you are looking forward to listening to more of it, uh, one of the best ways you can uh, help us know that is by hitting up um, uh, iTunes and, and leaving us a, a comment and a, a nice little five-star review if you don't mind. If you do mind, then don't do it. I'm not going to get mad at you about it. Just asking for a little help. Jeez, get off my back, guys. Uh, but yeah, man, I just, I, I hope that uh, anyone listening um, has as much fun watching along and listening to these episodes as we're having making them. So that's all I have to say. And uh, also, um, I don't know if you know this or not, Kel, but I have an email address. Uh, which oh, is literally podcast sgfun at gmail.com. If you have any questions, suggestions, or, um, you know, you want to draw me a picture of uh, a Stargate, feel free. Send it on to us at podcast sgfun at gmail.com. So, uh, yeah, that's that. That's it, man. All right. Cool deal. Well, I guess, uh, well, what's, what's our next episode? Do you know? Uh, I do know what our next episode is. Um, it is, I believe, I'm just going to say it off. I'm going to do it off the cuff. I think it's the enemy within. Uh, <laughs> literally think that's the name of the episode. Okay. Uh, well, they are within, aren't they? Hold on. Stargate SG-1 episodes. Oh, it is. Season one, episode three. Three. Yeah. Technically two. The enemy within. Doctors discover a gould. Okay, so we're going to decide this now. It, how are you going to say? Are you going to say Goa'uld? Are you going to pull the Jack O'Neill and say Gould? Or are you just going to make up your own pronunciation? 
it, it's it, it's going to uh, it's going to be where it, whatever the moment takes me. <laughs> Doctors discover a Goa'uld larva has attached to Kowalski's brain, and the soldier must undergo a risky operation. Oh, that's right. We get a little uh, uh, taste of that in the uh, the last episode where he kind of uh, kind of grabs the back of his neck, almost looking like he's kind of, kind of got a migraine coming on. Yeah, and that is actually um, was cut um, out of the original pilot, which is and you actually get to see uh, it happen. Um, like you actually get to like notice it occurring, um, and then it actually like flashes. I believe at the end of the episode with his eyes going all glowy. Um, so he actually gets some, uh, Kowalski suffers from GES in this episode. So, all right, man. Well, good deal. Uh, then I guess, Hey, I will, uh, we'll watch that episode and we'll catch you back here next time. All right, man. So I just want to say, uh, thanks for everyone who's listening and, uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Peace out later. man. <laughs> Bye. Bro.